Many people find the topic of circumcision in the Bible to be rather strange. As a matter of fact, uh, atheists uh, make fun of Christianity and the Bible over the Bible's uh, depiction of circumcision. You know, it's just strange, bizarre, you know, to them. This is crazy. Even uh, Christians have wondered why in the world did God want the penis involved in a sign of loyalty? Well, what we need to understand is when Abraham was promised a child by God, he was old. His wife, Sarah, was past the age of childbearing. And so instead of just believing God's promise, Abraham took Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, uh, to be his wife also. And through Hagar, he had Ishmael, his first child, thinking that instead of just trusting God's promise that Sarah would have a son, Abraham would take it upon himself to work it out uh, through Hagar that he would have a child. So therefore, what Abraham was trusting, or or what we need to understand is, the penis was the part of the body Abraham was trusting instead of God's promise. Therefore, confidence in the flesh had to be cut out or circumcised. So all Abraham believed in was God's promise. In the New Testament, Jesus went to the cross and crucified all of our flesh so that we could live by faith in his promises and not in confidence in the flesh or confidence in self. Romans 8, 3-4 reads, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In Romans 6, 3-7, we see that in baptism, we crucify all of our flesh with Christ. Like circumcision of old, baptism is a sign of casting away the confidence in the flesh and trusting God's promise to make us a new creation, God's own recreation. In Galatians 4, 22 to 24, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, the scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. End of quote. God had made a covenant with Abraham and promised him a son. All God needed Abraham to do was believe the promise. Abraham saw that his wife was old and not even menstruating anymore. So instead of trusting in God's promise, he took Sarah's much younger handmaid, Hagar, and worked things out on his own. Together they had a son. 
This represents the old covenant, which is man keeping the commandments in his own power instead of trusting God to write the law on his heart. The old covenant is legalism or the works and the efforts of the flesh. It's a me plus Christ mentality, not a not I but Christ mentality that we see in Galatians 2.20. Not I but Christ is the motive Paul shared as the crux of the gospel in Galatians 2.20. So God gave Abraham circumcision as a reminder to trust him rather than trying to solve his own problems. In uh, Genesis 17, 9 through 14, we read, Then God said to Abraham, Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day of his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and of the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking this covenant. End of quoting Genesis 17, 9 through 14. Abraham's part in the covenant was to keep himself from doing those things that God had promised. Because Abraham trusted in his flesh to work things out, God had Abraham circumcise the part of his flesh he was trusting, so he would realize that he could do nothing to fulfill the promise. He had to leave everything to God and simply believe in God. Philippians 3.3 says, For we who worship God by the Spirit are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. End of quote. Desire of Ages, uh, page 98, and I quote, Like the birth of the child of Abraham and that of Mary was to teach a great spiritual truth, a truth that we are slow to learn and ready to forget. In ourselves, we're incapable of doing any good thing, but that which we cannot do will be wrought by the power of God in every submissive and believing soul. It was through faith that the child of promise was given. It is through faith that spiritual life is begotten and we are enabled to do the works of righteousness. End of quoting Ellen White, Desire of Ages, page 98. Now, instead of circumcision, we have baptism as a sign that we are casting away self-confidence. As we go under the water, symbolically dying to self, we rise up to a new life, not trusting in self, but trusting in Jesus. Satan works hard to make us miss the whole point of this lesson by coming up with his own rituals and then making male circumcision appear to be another cultural ritual similar to female circumcision, which has no scriptural significance, 
but is still widely practiced in certain parts of the world, even though it's harmful to women. It is worth noting that there is evidence to suggest that certain male health issues are less prevalent in communities where circumcision is widely, widely practiced, and circumcision also appears to have health benefits for wives. Others suggest that the same benefits may be experienced by proper hygiene. Thus, everyone considering circumcision needs to prayerfully consider the reason for and against the practice today. Finally, some men who are circumcised as babies and learning that circumcision is no longer morally necessary have become quite bitter towards their parents for, quote-unquote, mutilating them. To those, I would suggest, first of all, you have not endured anything that Jesus himself has not endured. Jesus was circumcised too. See Luke 2.21. No matter how awkward or embarrassing an area of your life may be, Jesus has been there and experienced it for you. He understands everything. Second, most parents were simply doing the best they could with the information they had at the time. All parents have to make decisions about the treatment of their babies on a range of issues, and most make those decisions with the best information available. And again, there are are several health benefits. Even though circumcision is no longer a moral issue uh, since we've gone into the New Testament times, uh, there are still some physical health benefits. Let me close in saying, Satan likes to make the gospel look foolish and even crazy in human eyes. And because circumcision is a sensitive issue, it's an easy target. I pray my brief attempt has helped you to see the gospel where before all you could see was a Jewish ritual. God bless you. And I'd like to invite you to uh, visit my website, williamdearnhart.com, to find more Bible studies and devotionals. May God continue blessing you as you continue to read his word.